guys, welcome back to Cake for Breakfast. Good morning. How is your day going so far? We're almost at the weekend. Hopefully you have some fun weekend plans ahead of you. I just finished our interview today with the authors of the new book, How to Win the Bachelor. Now, I know we don't cover a lot of Bachelor content on this show, but I was really excited to have these two on because come on, The Bachelor, like that is that like they say, like Lizzie and Chad say in the interview, if you're not like a part of it, you're just missing out. It's like, it is, it is pop culture now. Like our president was a reality star. Like if you're not following The Bachelor, you're just like missing out. And one interesting statistic I heard um, from this show was that it's not this current season, but I think like five years ago, The Bachelor was ranking in 5 million viewers a night. Okay, to put that into perspective, Real Housewives of Orange County, popular, really popular reality show. They're bringing in about 800,000 viewers an episode. Now, as they say in this episode, that's not accounting for like the streaming views, the internet views. That is purely Nielsen ratings, which is cable television, but still pretty darn impressive. All right. So the authors are Chad Colgan and Lizzie Pace coming on today. And these two have written a book They have a great podcast. Their podcast is super well followed. I saw the amount of reviews they have. Like they're, they definitely chart. They're very popular. I'm assuming in the bachelor nation sphere, they probably rank their podcast probably ranks quite high. So be sure to check them out. But they literally have this new playbook that trains people how to win the bachelor. And it's pretty amazing. Like I thought a lot of the tips were cool. They really get into like the social media, like what you need to have. Okay, so if you're going to be the bad girl, do all your racy photo shoots. If you're going to be the Christian girl, have like a Jesus quote in your, a Bible quote in your Instagram profile. They just like teach all the tricks. And I don't want to give too much away because, you know, I want these guys to make the New York Times bestseller list. So everyone get out there and buy this book. But I love their, my favorite was their takes on the individual people. We were talking like Nick Vile, Caitlin Bristow, Uh, Wells, that guy, I loved him. My favorite, Tyler C., who is just the most gorgeous human of all time. So they really like talk on some of the favorite characters and the the people that popped the most on this show and and really kind of give the deep dive on them, which I thought was really cool. So get excited for that. We'll be covering that. But first, let's get into a few stories. Okay, first up, it is currently 5 p.m. on Wednesday night in I'm I'm on Pacific time right now. And we all know Alex Cooper, our girl from Call Her Daddy, you know, spends the whole day with her dog. Like, oh my gosh, um, the episode's coming out in four hours, three hours, two hours. I have not seen one promotion all day, neither all day yesterday when her episode with her part two of her Jamie Lynn Spears episode was supposed to drop. I've seen nothing. So Alex said, guys, get ready next week, Monday, Tuesday night. I'm doing a two part series. We're dropping the Jamie Lynn Spears interview. Well... After Monday night's explosive interview on the show, by the way, shout out to her as well. Like this interview is better than television. Alex Cooper is just paving the way. And I think going forward, a lot of really powerful people are going to be looking to podcasting, not to like, I know she, Jamie Lynn Spears did Good Morning America to promote her book. No one really cared. She drops the call her daddy interview the next day. Jamie Lynn Spears is served with a cease and desist letter from Britney Spears' attorney to not talk anymore on the subject, otherwise she's going to sue her. Everyone's waiting on part two. Part one was so juicy. It was so good. There was so much intel. And we're all like, okay, when's part two coming? And it's just like, it's scary. I mean, that letter went out. I'm sure the Call Her Daddy Spotify editing team 
was out of bed at 7 p.m. when that season assist letter hit and they are like cutting stuff, cleaning it up. I bet that episode was going to be so good. I really wish Alex dropped just the whole three-hour interview instead of in two segments. I bet you going forward though, she's definitely going to think of this. So let's cover some highlights from the interview. Jamie Lynn Spears, Britney Spears' younger sister, goes on Call Her Daddy. This interview is everything and Jamie Lynn dishes. I don't even know why she'd give up so much. She's like literally giving up her whole book on this interview, but I guess the attention you get from a Call Her Daddy interview is, is like nothing other. So Jamie Lynn goes into their dad being an alcoholic. You really feel that Jamie Lynn is standing up for their dad. She's like, my dad's a great guy. He would never even live in a house that Britney bought. He was so weird about that. And then she also weirdly supports this Disney executive producer that there's a lot of weird vibes around him like was he a little rapey to kids like he's just suddenly like left and he was like a major major producer so and she's like no I support him he was great I don't know something's kind of off about it here's my cake here's the issue I take to this whole story Jamie Lynn do not sell your sister's stories right like Jamie Lynn is coming in and she's talking on all Britney's secrets she's talking about 2008 what happened in the insiderness of their family when Britney shaved her head what happened right before the conservatorship took place? Like what was going on? Why it took place? These are Britney's stories to tell. These are not your stories, Jamie Lynn, to come in and sell. And then the biggest one was, remember Crimea River? Everyone knows that Justin Timberlake wrote that song about Britney, right? But then Jamie Lynn exposes this huge secret that every time, That every time, you know, one of Britney's famous songs was actually written about Justin Timberlake. That is not your story to share, Jamie Lynn. Like, that, those are not your stories. So this book is very much masked as, these are my own experiences. But really, I'm selling Britney's story, which is what everyone cares about anyway. I'm sort of like, uh, I get it that it was a tough household to grow up in, right? Like, you're eight. And your sister is the biggest star on the entire planet. And you're just living in Kentwood, Louisiana, doing your thing. Like, I get it, but still, no, 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 no. Not good, not good, not good. And I don't think people are believing her stories either. Like the, the letter that Britney Spears' lawyer sent to Jamie Lynn Spears' team was very aggressive. It was just like, these stories are completely false. They're exaggerated. And like, if you continue with this press tour for the book, selling Britney's stories, we're going to come after you financially. And... I know it's a little cringe. Look, I wish these two would just be like Jessica Simpson and Ashley Simpson. Same sort of dynamic, right? You've got the two Southern sisters. They've got big age gaps. I think both of them are like 10 years apart. They just seem kind of quiet and A-class about it. The Spearses are really dragging it through the mud. So, eh. Jamie Lynn talks a lot about their brother. I think his name is Jason, who's the older brother. It was him and Brittany. And then Jamie Lynn was like the afterthought, the baby. Here's my one takeaway. She is so angry, so mad, like just kind of vicious almost. And growing up, when you see the pictures of her and Britney, you're like, oh, the cute little sister. Even Jamie Lynn says like, I was like Britney's little doll. Totally could see that. They were just kind of cute and fun. But this girl has like a vengeance and she is not backing down. Anyway, we're pushing five o'clock. Alex Cooper's put nothing up on her Instagram. The episode was supposed to go out yesterday. I don't know what's going to happen. I guess they're kind of, they have to deal with it legally and figure out what's going on. That definitely is one issue with the U.S. Just too much like 
temptation around suing people, people getting scared. These cease and desist letters are so aggressive. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Oh, but if you follow Britney Spears on Instagram, she is slapping back so hard, not even with her lawyer, just being like, Jamie Lynn, you're a fake, like exposing all these stories. She talks about this one story where she is on the road, right? For six to eight months, she gets out of the cab from the airport to get into her mama's house, as she says, and her sister's there, like laying on the couch. Her mom is like running her food and giving her a milkshake and treating her like a normal kid. And Brittany's like, oh, shucks, that sucks. Like, that's what I gave up, right? For the dream. And then Brittany says the next day, her sister gets a call and she gets her own Nickelodeon show, which, as we know, is Zoe 101. Look, I'd be a little annoyed by that too. And and she's getting this on Britney's name. She's selling this book on Britney's name. Britney's a little sick of it. Britney was put in, in prison for 13 years in a conservatorship. And Jean, where was Jamie Lynn when that came out? Ooh, another interesting take. Doing a book takes like two years to, from start to finish, two years to do. I think that Jamie Lynn signed this deal thinking like, you know what? Britney's like trapped in this thing. She can't speak. She doesn't have a phone. My dad controls her life. I actually haven't worked since Zoe 101 and the millions from that have dried up. I actually need money because I've got these girls that I need to support. She has two daughters. I kind of wonder if she was like, you know what? I'm just going to write Britney's story and I'll sell it and I'm going to make money off of it. And I think Britney is recognizing that and is like, do your own thing. Live your own life. Do not steal from me anymore. My cake. I'm free Britney. I'm team Britney. Jimmy Lynn. Yes, your childhood was tumultuous. Yes, I think she got pregnant at 16 because she needed someone to like pay attention to her. I feel like she was sort of lost in the Britney of it all. I firmly believe that actually. So we'll see what happens. I really want to hear part two of the interview though. So I hope that Spotify, you know, steps up and puts it out even with Britney's lawyer coming at them. All right, moving along. We got a market minute and I'm going to do Bitcoin. It's sitting at 41K. And this is interesting because... This has not moved. It has been sitting at 41K for, I would say, two weeks. Maybe it goes down to 40, maybe it goes to 43, but like really not a lot of movement. And I'm telling you, from someone who's been covering Bitcoin for two years now, I will cover it on the show one week. It will be 41K. The next week, it's 60K. And I've, I've long said the trade is the 40-60 trade or the 30-60 trade, right? So you're going back and forth and back and forth. And there's just like so many sellers and buyers in that space. But I got to say, this 41K mark is sort of the longest it's been in this spot. Now, I haven't jumped in yet to for a repurchase. I'm going to wait for it to come down to like 38K, 39K level, probably 38, but... Who knows? I bet I'll cover this on the market minute next week and I'll be saying, hey, Bitcoin's trading at 60K USD a coin now. Darn, I missed my shot. <laughs> there is some positive news. I feel like there hasn't been a lot of news on crypto and crypto really moves when Elon Musk is like, Tesla is going to accept Bitcoin as a form of payment. Boom. It's like breaking records, you know, trading past 68K a coin. There hasn't been really a lot going on, but some countries are stepping up. So we've got Brazil, we've got Turkey, we've got Argentina, and we've got Mexico. So really the South American countries are starting to be like, you know what, maybe it's time to look at crypto. I can't remember where India's at. I remember they had like a Bitcoin ban uh, at some point in the last two years, but these countries coming in and saying, you know what, it's okay. That's going to change the game. So maybe it'll pop a bit on that news. Who knows? All right, now lastly before the episode, let's just hit on Harry and Meghan here. And actually, I have super exciting news. At the end of each year, you get like a, 
stats sent to you from Spotify, like how your show's doing, where you're growing. And I had like massive growth this year in the UK. So thank you so much to all my UK listeners. Was really pumped. I hope you guys don't mind me covering the Harry and Megan sitch, but look, I might as well be real with you. Like I did love Harry, right? When I was 18, 19, I went to London and I was like, oh my God, I need to marry Harry. Where is he? Totally. But this new vibe of Harry, not into it all. He honestly reminds me right now of like, you know, that girl in high school that's like, oh my gosh, my zit. Oh my gosh. Can everyone see my zit? It's like, no one can see it and no one cares. Harry running around making this huge media storm out of, I cannot come to the UK unless I have my gun toting California security with me. Like no one cares to Harry. And who knows, maybe they get death threats to their home. But actually, how that that's not even possible. Chrissy Teigen exposed that. No celebrities actually get mail to their house. People at that level, which he would be at and more, they get it sent to like a P.O. box and they hire somebody who goes and deals with literally all their mail. So that's fake. I don't know how they're getting death threats. I'm sure everyone at that level does, but who knows? Anyway, the UK saying no, Harry. They're saying we don't want people coming in. And I kind of respect that. I don't love guns. So if the UK's rule is like, if you have a gun security men, you have to be like the queen. Like you can't just be, you can't just be Chrissy Teigen or Kim Kardashian. You can't just travel to the UK and carry and have your security carrying guns. And like, I think that's a better spot, honestly. And here's the thing, Harry, quietly fly in, you know, charter jet from Santa Barbara to London and then get a chopper from London to your Frogmore estate and just be quiet about it. Like you're just like fighting these arguments that are so irrelevant. And and the other thing that drives me nuts, this is another piece of my cake here. You hate the media. You literally like sue the media, you and Megan get in these big fights with the media. And now that you want to use the media to yell at your essentially dad and your grandma to like pay attention to you, now that, now that you need the media, they're your best friend, but you constantly shit on them otherwise. Not cool, Harry. Not cool. All right. Well, on that note, let's get into our awesome interview today. Guys, go out and get this book, How to Win the Bachelor. There's so many secrets. We only went for like 40 minutes on the interview. I feel like I could have gone for a lot longer. I love the like stats and data level of both Chad and Lizzie. They're very smart. They're very into it. And I'm going to be following along on their journey for this season. I like want to make money from what they recommend. I feel like you can get like, you can like trade the bachelor seasons in this sense. Can't you? Anyways, we'll learn more as we go. Enjoy the episode. I can't wait to see you guys here next Thursday. See you then. All right. Well, welcome to cake for breakfast today. To the two authors of How to Win the Bachelor, welcome. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. So, since we're on audio, I'd love to have the both of you just do a quick introduction of yourselves and maybe what brought you to being such a Bachelor fan, strategist. You guys are like Wall Street, like analytics people. I love it. So maybe Lizzie, you could go first. Yeah, my name is Lizzie Pace. Uh, I go by Pace Case on our podcast because we go by our Instagram handles as uh, we focus a lot on social media and how Bachelor players fare in social media. Um, Chad and I met seven or eight years ago working on a TV show. We're both TV writers. And oh, cool. What show is it? It was called Bad Judge. It was a okay. one-season NBC comedy. 
Well, congrats and to that. That's a huge. That's a huge job to get a writing on a writing on a TV show. We just had uh, Nichelle Trample on the show. She writes Truth Be Told on Apple. Uh huh. Oh, with nice. Octavia Spencer. Yes. Cool. And anyway, so sorry, Lizzie. Go on. Yeah, we both have done a lot of writing in the half hour comedy space, but we discovered that we both love The Bachelor and started watching it casually with a group of friends. Seemed very harmless uh, at first. And then I don't know exactly what happened, but we Chad started making memes. I started writing these blog recaps of the show. And then it just sort, sort of spiraled and we developed this language for talking about the different plays and strategies involved in the show and we decided that we wanted to write a book about, mm-hmm. you know, condensing all of these things into a manual for how you can go through this process and do the best and get the most followers, become the next crown, which is what we call like becoming the bachelorette from a bachelor season. And we decided to start this podcast, Game of Roses, to sort of flesh out those book ideas. Mm-hmm. Very well followed podcast as I prompted the listeners. Oh, yeah. You guys Very definitely well chart. Followed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, great download. Yeah, great, that has spiraled uh, out of control in its own way. So now we yeah. have the podcast. The book comes out next week. So we're very excited that this baby is finally, finally being born. The book is awesome. And where are you from, Lizzie? I'm originally from Connecticut, but I've been in L.A. since middle school, basically. Since, since forever then, yeah. Yeah, my yeah. coming of age was in L.A. In L.A. <laughs> Who were you? What character were you in your middle school years in L.A.? Were you very uh, uh, Gossip Girl character, Serena's mom, like that <laughs> vibe? What was, your, what was your L.A. vibe? Were you like Marissa on the O.C.? I was reading Gossip Girl and watching the OC, but I was very much not like those characters. I would say I would be, you know, more of a ch- the chill nerd group, you know, okay. very focused new- on the academic studies. Got it. And then where did you go to school? Uh, for college? Yeah. I went to UC Berkeley. Very fancy. So smart yeah. gal you are. How about you, Chad? Oh, yes. Well, I came of age in Dallas, Texas, (laughs) where I'm from. That's where I spent uh, junior high and high school, the source, as we call it. Um, And then I came out here. I went to USC Film School, graduated in 1999. Yes, I am Generation X. And then, um, you know, kicked around out in L.A. since then, trying to try my hand at being a writer, have published a bunch of books, sold Mm -hmm. a bunch of TV shows, had a couple movies made. And then um, at a certain point, like Lizzie said, started watching The Bachelor and making these memes and going crazy. And now we (laughs) are essentially our lives are dominated by The Bachelor. There's not a waking moment or sleeping moment at this point that goes by that I don't think about it, about some new strategy. I'm now actively coaching players who are currently in season 26. That's oh, get the, out. the season that's airing now has the first players I've ever coached, which means helping them get their Instagrams ready for produce, uh, casting producers mm-hmm. to look at, helping them write their applications, edit their videos, and then building season-long strategies for them and running scenarios that will be statistically most likely for them to encounter and then developing strategies for how they should handle that so that they can make it as far as they can in the main game and then get a birth to paradise where hopefully 
I can help them get a couple hundred thousand Instagram followers, if not a million. If not a million. Can I say one thing that's really interesting about you two? So the bachelor lowbrow, right? Like that's how I think it might be looked at in society. You two, extremely highbrow. You went to the schools that people pay for their kids to get on the rowing team there. So how did that sort of, how did that match up? Like, do you think it was the competition of it? Was it the game of it? Because I would not, based on your backgrounds, the bachelor would not be something I guess that mm-hmm. we should would be fall professors. so heavily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're professors. Maybe that's professional it. I just find rowers. It interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, for me, it was really the idea that like reality TV in the early 2000s kind of hit into this high gear when you had shows like Bachelor, Survivor, Big Brother coming out. And I was like, oh, my God, even the premises of those shows were shocking at the time. Now they're fully accepted as parts of American culture. Mm-hmm. We just had a reality TV show host as our president. So <laughs> these things that people, I think, Uh, view as like frivolous or like dumb bullshit whatever they're actually the lifeblood of america now if you're not watching the bachelor you don't know what this country is because that thing is a mirror of our society that's i think initially what drew me into it and then once you start really looking at it and analyzing the game components this professional sport unfolded before us and i was Mm -hmm. like I have to win this game. How do I do that? <laughs> Let's write this book about the strategies. Let's watch all the episodes and see what uh, you know really high-level players have done in the past to succeed. And then let's try to apply our own metrics to coaching people through this game. And that's totally. what is happening now, season 26. And I got a lot of questions, as I was telling you guys before the interview. One of them was people really wanted to know your takes on if you thought there was anybody in the past, you guys did this hyper binge, right? Where you mm-hmm. sat down and watched every single episode of the, like how that took weeks, a couple weeks to get through. Um, months. And, <laughs> months. <laughs> any no characters weekend. from the past, any maybe favorites, any smaller characters. I think people would be interested mm. to know if you saw these people and thought that's odd. That doesn't match up with the math. That person should have come through. Anybody that jumps out to you. Number one that comes to mind is Mary Delgado. She was a player on season four and six, was the first, both her and Heather, what was her last name? Cranford. Heather Cranford um, joined season six as the first two players to come on a repeat season. We call them bets on the second tour on our podcast, but she was the first Latinx player to get to hometown. She was originally on Bob Guinea's season four. And on season six, she was the first Latinx ring winner. Um, mm-hmm. And she and uh, Byron Velvic, the 40-year-old bachelor from season six, dated for many years after that. They were, like, in terms of the game, a pretty fairly successful couple, but... We hadn't really heard a lot about them. There was a domestic abuse situation. I think that might have contributed to it, but she contributed a lot of things to our beloved game that we had no idea about it, including the first Huju or Hug Jump. Hug Jump. Okay, interesting. Um, One other thing I was wondering, when you said you were coaching people currently on season 26, Mm -hmm. do you have communication when you're on The Bachelor? Do you have your phone or are you just sending them in with your playbook and they can't really contact you after that? Uh, You know, I'm not at liberty to say certain things. (laughs) She's not to answer. (laughs) You know, officially, no. Once they're in the show, they forfeit their phone and any contact with the outside world and they go into full cult control, like mind control under the producers. 
So, you know, officially, no, I can't communicate with any players while they're in the game. Officially. Got it. Officially. Got it. Off the record. <laughs> All right. But so he actually has carved out a hole in Bachelor Mansion's wall where he actually resides right now. Look, <laughs> there are, I'll just say this. There are ways to get messages to people. Interesting. Okay. Okay. You could almost be like a really good therapist or something. All right. So let's get into this book, How to Win the Bachelor. That title alone, I think, is going to grab so many people, so many people that want to get on The Bachelor. I don't want to give too much away, but can we talk about some of the things you talk about in the book? Like, what are some strategies to becoming Hannah Brown or becoming one of those people who seriously capitalize off this business? I think you said Hannah Brown is the most followed Bachelor of all contestants at 2.4 million followers, correct? On Instagram, yes. On Instagram, yes. There Matt are some Pruitt players like... is the champion on TikTok. Oh, is, is she? Is she? Is, but I'd argue Instagram's worth more for know. advertising. What, she's Danny not? Padilla might have overtaken her. Oh, really? I think he... I, it's close. There, there are a couple of players around the 2 million mark on TikTok, and TikTok yeah. obviously is becoming far more important than Instagram in terms of making influencer money and all that so you think i feel like the instagram oh, yeah. the influencer money is still on instagram you think it's moved over to tiktok at this point for sure okay okay instagram right. is Bruce really in the facebook danny padilla is at 1.9 oh uh, <laughs> i love it's this getting game close. yeah it's getting close you guys should have been wall street traders you would have killed it with your analytics i love and your stats um That's right. but let's talk about some of the strategies so just base level can you give our listeners some inside scoop on to what some of the strategies that you see people have used that really work yeah i mean it's like potentially more complex than that but i would say the most important thing all players should remember if you're going into the game is the producers are what matters Mm -hmm. you're not going to wind up with the lead even if you win the ring you're not going to wind up with the lead (laughs) you are probably not going to be the bachelorette or the bachelor probably not be the next lead what you have a good chance of doing is making it to top 10 top six potentially top four getting an invitation to paradise and blowing up your followers there so that's really what you're trying to get on is paradise and in order to do that you have to show the producers that you have value on screen that you can be funny smart bombastic whatever the thing may be whatever your personal play style is and you also have to show the producers that you're willing to play the game that you'll do the things they want you to do if they say okay here's a group date it's a forced violence group date you all have to hit each other in the head now you're gonna have to take some punches and you're gonna have to throw some punches because that shows the producers hey this player will do what we want and that ultimately is how you last very long in not just your season, but in any subsequent season, potentially a season of paradise as well. And I think a lot of uh, players kind of naively go into the game thinking like, oh, the producers are my friends. They're here to help me. Uh-uh-uh. They are there to destroy you. So you have <laughs> to give them some indication that like you'll allow that destruction to happen. But at the same time, you're also manipulating them into giving you a good edit, into giving you more screen time, because they really control the outcome of what you'll be perceived as by what we call the... Four, we, we break it down into four audiences. Yes. Uh, did you already say this, base Case? <laughs> I, no. I forget how much we've talked about. No, but uh, I remember from about, the but. book, I know what you're... You come with the social media. Like, there's a, you have to identify yourself. Are you the Christian girl? Put the yeah. quote in your... Put a Jesus quote in your profile. Like, really right. 
come in as somebody and like you guys have the whole book play you have the whole playbook right it's like if you have like under 10,000 followers start a new profile like all these kind of yes. tips and tricks that you can offer people that you know want to get in the game and why do you want to people why do people want to get in the game because there's so much money to be made have you ever looked at sort of the estimates of maybe like a Tyler C from what he's made off of the franchise like have you ever sort of looked at the numbers and tried to guess what people have made I you would know. guess one of the highest would be Jade and Tanner, uh, who were the king and queen of paradise. They had the first paradise baby, and I think there's a lot of money in the baby game. I would also say the Lyondike family is raking money in because they've turned that into not Ari, I think, has six or seven hundred thousand, and Lauren Lyondike has over a million on Instagram. They have positioned that into all kinds of spawn con Lauren line Dyke now has her own line of clothing called shades of Rose. They also have now three children, all of whom had Instagram accounts before they were born as oh fetuses. <laughs> and Alessi Lyon Dyke was born with 350,000 Instagram followers and has been doing spawn con since before she was born and continues to do it as a child. So all of that money is coming into the Lion Dyke family. And this is all because of the bachelors because of their play within the game, obviously. But, um, you know, ultimately, I think that that really is the goal of anybody going into the game. Maybe you will fall in love. We're not saying that's like impossible, obviously. Yeah. And, and maybe you'll even get married and have kids as the Lion Dykes have done, as the Giudici uh, or I was going to say the Giudici's, but the yeah. Lowe's <laughs> have done. Um, you know, it happens, but that's kind of happenstance. That's secondary. The true goal is to get that number next to your head as high as you can get it so that you can be doing what, you know, you're asking what Tyler Cameron makes. I don't know, but he's got over 2 million Instagram followers, whatever those rates are for his spawn con. They're real good. I don't know how hard he's pressing it. You refer to spawn con as people having babies and making money off of that, like keeping sort of the (laughs) tool going, right? That's spawn S P A W N con. (laughs) Sponsored content. Of yeah. Sponsored con- okay, well, so, you, got, like, you can't. You gotta forgive me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No problem. <laughs> That's hilarious that you automatically were like spawn S P A W N. The oh book gosh. is structured basically in the format of the game. We start with the preseason. You learn about the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. You learn about what to do with your social media and branding yourself, which is a huge part of this because you want to stand out. And essentially, you should be looking at your application video as the intro packages for they do about six to 12 each season for some players that go far some players that don't generally players that they want to be the bachelorette will get an intro package but study those and learn what type of elements are in those to figure out how to brand yourself in a way that is going to get you selected to go on the show is going to get you to have a long run in the show because you need to stand out and we're past the point way past the point where players are just going in and winging it or they're getting drunk on night one and flaming out we are seeing all oh, people are more sophisticated players. than that that's what yes. you're saying yeah there's no one what about the girl that just came on though and was like i'm not into him is that a game i mean <laughs> it, she got a lot of that is from it right yeah yeah, that is uh, what we call a blaze of glory is if you know that you're going home and you're like, I'm going to go out as hard and fast as possible. Um, we've seen, you know, I think one of the most infamous blazes of glory would be Chad Johnson on Bachelor in Paradise who yelled, 
famously yelled, fuck you, Chris Harrison. (laughs) (laughs) So much good stuff here. So much good stuff here. All right. Commonalities between the winners. Something, they're all blonde. They're all very skinny. Other than that, just kidding. I know Andy Dorfman wasn't. But is there a commonality you see between all of them? No. Maybe physical characteristic as well as personality, like just something that jumps out at you. I mean, are they, they tend all from to be white? Everyone yeah. is thin, but that's pretty much every player who's on the show. There yeah. has not been a black woman who has won the ring, um, except for on Bachelor in Paradise. But in the two main games, that hasn't happened, which yet. is terrible. All right, let's talk about how you get on to The Bachelor in the first place. So all the girls listening that are applying for the next upcoming season, what are sort of how do you get in? Like, how do you get accepted? Who are they picking? What are some of the things they're looking for? Well, the first thing is your Instagram. Like, I know we just shit on Instagram. It's that TikTok <laughs> is more important. And TikTok yeah. is more important for money. But Instagram is still how the producers look for players. That's basically your resume. So what you want to do is go through your Instagram and archive or delete every picture that has anything in it that is not you. You also want to work on your parasocial gaze, which is looking directly into the lens. You want to make sure that that is on point. You want to basically go look at like Hannah Godwin's Instagram and mimic everything she's doing. And above all, you want to have images in your main grid that will show producers what you will look like on the show. So you want to have images of yourself in a cocktail dress or if you're a guy in like a suit, what you would wear to a cocktail party. You're going to have to have some beach shots. So it'll, this is what I'll look like on the group date when we're on the beach. You want to have some sporting shots. This is what it'll look like when we're on the group date where they force me to play tackle football and (laughs) potentially get a concussion or CTE. You want to have some, uh, some various shots of you potentially on the back of a boat, in a helicopter, in a hot tub. You want to give producers an easy, easy job so they can look at your Instagram and be like, that's exactly what they'll look like in the show. Let's sign them up. Are they ever picking people? Do the producers ever go into Instagram and find, pull people out? Yes. Or is it, they do? Yeah. So it's not, sure. it's not always a bunch of desperate girls being like, please, please, please. They do go out and find people too. No, and, and people can, you know, you can apply yourself. You can have people nominate you. So they will basically send in an application for you. And the initial right. application is just a, a very brief kind of like name, age, where you live, occupation, why you want to do this. And I think you attach a couple of pictures. And then if that is successful, you'll uh, be moved to the next round where they'll reach out to you and you'll start to have a series of Zooms with all the, the different casting producers. And that has to go all the way up to the actual producers who make the show. And then they're the ones who determine who gets in the final player pool of 30 to 35. Up to the health test. I, I read an article that that's yeah. where everybody loses out because they do like a herpes uh-huh. test. And then they're like, not only are you not on The Bachelor, but like, sorry, bad news for you as well. Um, yeah. One question I had on, you, there, you do see some Bachelor, Bachelorettes really um, poke out into mainstream culture, right? Nick Vile, Andy Dorfman, the guy that's with the girl from Modern Family. What's his name? Super cute. Balls well, super cute, right? What do you think it is about those certain people that really they push through to mainstream? They're not like sort of, I don't look at those people as like Bachelor Nation. I look at them as like page six. Interesting. We look at them as Bachelor Nation and we talk about this all the time. Will there ever be a real celebrity that comes out of The Bachelor who isn't attached to their Bachelor celebrity? Nick Vile, no? And Tyler C., I would argue those two. Absolutely not. No. What are they known for? Tyler C.'s in movies now. He just did a Netflix movie. 
Uh-huh. Gigi Hadid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but all that's because of The Bachelor. I think he'll forever be oh, tied I to that right. and the yes. quarantine crew and yeah. Hannah Brown, will they or won't they? Nobody from The Bachelor, even Nick Vial, although he likes to think he is far away from The Bachelor, he's still making money off doing recaps of The Bachelor. He has a Patreon where he recapped his whole season with players from his season. Like oh, he's still gotcha. very much yeah. in The Bachelor world. Yeah. And comments on The Bachelor, all of his tweets are about, oh, they shouldn't have gotten this guy as a host or this guy as the leader, whatever, you know. They're, all these players' lives are still very much intertwined with the show. It's how they make their living. And we talk about, will there ever be a person like, um, I liken it to Jennifer Hudson from American Idol. She came from American Idol, but eventually she won an Oscar. Like, oh, at that point, you know, you're... American Idol. That is such yeah. a good... Like Kelly Clarkson, you don't think of American Idol exactly. anymore. You think of Kelly... Yes, yeah, she won Grammys oh. and stuff, you know. It's, it's like you, I don't think we've seen that yet in Bachelor. I don't know if we will either. Cause who's I, the closest? If you had to pick somebody, who's the closest person in that bucket for you? Rachel Lindsay, probably. Yep. Yeah. Bachelor at season 13. Because she does a million different things that are not, she's effectively cut ties from Bachelor Nation at this point after all the yep. stuff that happened with Chris Harrison uh, and bachelor season 25 and she now is hosting her own podcasts she's hosting tv shows she's writing books yeah like, yeah she's kind of doing everything you know doing all the jillian things. harris is like that as well she was interviewing yeah. like the canadian prime minister's wife and stuff and has really tapped into the lifestyle oh, wow. as a canadian thing. i gotta like, tap into that <laughs> yeah and she yeah. was but before the instagram era so it's even more impressive you know what I like about like Caitlin Bristow is when you think of Canada, like our main celebrities are like Justin Bieber and then hockey players. But it's like Caitlin mm -hmm. Bristow, ho and I think I say her last name wrong. She holds a candle to like all the famous like guys around. Like that's what's kind of cool about it, right? Yeah. And she's created a massive brand off of it. But I'd argue she might be in that bucket as well, sure. right? As somebody who's sort of in the in the the higher up crew. Yeah. Okay, I would argue she's the greatest player of all time. And I would argue Ooh. that's Nick Vial. But I can't believe Me as too. a Canadian. I would agree with you, Nick Vial, yeah. you didn't bring up Buble. Uh, or Drake. Buble. Yeah, I mean, Drake, I was, when I say Bieber, I meant Drake. Drake, Bieber, Caitlin Bristow, and the hockey players, they're all in the same bucket together. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I go back and forth on Nick Vial because I wasn't a big Bachelor person then, and I know there's some haters, some lovers, but I do find him quite charming in, like I say, mainstream media, his Instagram, whatever his show, whatever he's trying to do. What do you think about, like, he got on the show, what was it, like four seasons? He was the Bachelor, the Bachelor on the Bachelor. He was a runner-up twice and then did a Paradise end run and then became the bachelor so is that guy gaming the whole time yes or do you think he's just sort of in it you think he it's no. totally he's a he was the greatest player that ever lived oh and what about it what, what about <laughs> it chad if you had to say some things about his his playing style it's impeccable it's almost perfect he made a few <laughs> missteps here or there uh, for me, his season 21 as he became The Bachelor was like, it, it's among my favorite seasons for a wide variety of reasons. It was shot in 2015 leading up to the 2016 American presidential election. So that is, uh, it's tinged with it. You have a player in that season named Corinne Olympios. And when they did the Women Tell All, people yes. in the audience were wearing Make America Corinne Again hats in the style of Trump hats. Uh, you had Rachel Lindsay that season has said in interviews post facto that she was flying into Finland for her fantasy suite on the night of the election. She lands, finds out that Trump is elected president in America, proceeds to then get blackout drunk, basically, and that the fantasy suite was just her stumbling into the fantasy suite going to sleep. <laughs> 
So I love knowing that kind of backstory of it. But also that season was interesting to me because there is a sorrow. There is a hollowness in Vial himself that season because he's not playing. You can see the spark in his eye is gone because he loves playing the game. And now he's being made to watch these other players playing it. And he has no real stake in it. He knows he's going to pick Vanessa Grimaldi from night one, as he admitted, and everything else. Brought that up in the book too. Yeah, is just you know window dressing, and you can see there's like there's something in him. Who's also a Canadian, and he dumped her. Yeah, he dumped her like six months later. That's the game. You (laughs) know, that's the game. That's the game. Who is your favorite Bachelor contestant of all time? Is it Nick Vi? Just on a on a not maybe a, a game player perspective, but just on a favorite person you enjoyed watching. God, That's there's hard. so many. I know so many, so many faves for enjoying watching. Probably Courtney Robertson from Ben Flagnick's season. We've yeah. never seen anything. I mean, we've we've had villain ring winners before. There was also Vienna in Jake Pavelka's season, but Courtney was so about gameplay and just blew every other player out of the water and was incredibly entertaining to watch and just yeah. and fun dragging Ben Flagnick around her finger the whole time. It was <laughs> she was really visionary. I, I think she viewed it as a sport before anyone else really did. And the advantage of that going into like a player pool of just people who are like, well, I hope I find love. And she's just like, that's not what this is about. You know, that <laughs> it allowed her to really dominate that season in a way that I don't think you could contemporarily because everybody is a player now, you know. Yeah. I truly enjoyed on season 24, both Hannah Celeste and Madison Pruitt uh, we we kind of view them as the first two professional players, not overtly, but that they were of an age where they basically were watching The Bachelor from age zero. And it's mm-hmm. just kind of like through osmosis, they knew how to play the game at every turn. They knew what to expect on different group dates, et cetera, et cetera. And they were just, in my opinion, like some of my favorite plays uh, ever made were made by them in that season. Now, this might be a little uncomfortable to touch on, so we don't have to go there if you don't want to, but do you both have a take on Colton Underwood? I just listened to the Call Her Daddy expose interview. I thought it was great. You know, he gave a lot of insights on there. Is he game player, fame chaser? He claims he went on to try and figure out his sexuality. This was like God's way of saying, you're a straight man. You got on The Bachelor. And there was a lot of, you know, media pushback on that commentary. Do you guys have comments on him or thoughts on Colton as a player? Well, I mean, in terms of did he think it was a game, uh, we open our book with a quote from his book in which he says The Bachelor is a game. He, he literally says that. And, and he's then on Caller Daddy, he says no. He says, no, I didn't. Sure. It's not a game. And, and that's, <laughs> that's uh, very much something that you come to expect from a lot of different players in yeah. our beloved game is they'll say one thing on a podcast or in a book and say a different thing here and, and whatever. Yeah. But he has put in writing that it is a game and he believes it as such. And in terms of chasing fame, he's also gone on all these podcasts and done many interviews talking about how like reality TV is his job and he's going to leverage whatever's happening in his life in order to make reality television out of it or social media out of it or whatever. And, uh, you know, that is kind of the game. And yeah, yeah. he's, he's and done he said some... in that interview, by the way, that, he told the producers that he was game for anything and like, let's make a great TV show. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge thing that they look for in a lead. It's someone who's, someone who's go just ready to rally. Everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pliability. Yeah. Uh, Cassie, did you like her in that season? 
Yeah, she played an interesting game. You could kind of tell by the end of it she was maybe ready to self-eject, and then the producers, of course, brought in her dad to help facilitate that in the middle of her fantasy suite date, which we had never seen before. Literally yes. between the day and night portion, her father was flown to Portugal. Where were they? I think it was Algarve, yeah, Portugal. Algarve. And, uh, you know, he showed up in the middle of the date, basically knocked on her hotel room door and was like, you have to leave the show. And so that's kind of the level of Machiavellianism that producers are willing to go to is they will bring in parents, ex-boyfriends, whoever they can at the worst possible moment to yeah, uh, make it exciting. Well, yeah. And hopefully to destroy these people emotionally. Now, let's talk about the producers for a second. So the producers, do you guys know who they are? Do they have like 40 producers on that show? They must just have a gazillion people there, right? Or do you think it's orchestrated by literally like three people? Are they sort of the masterminds of it? Like, who do you feel are the writer's room of The Bachelor? It's the executive producers. And it used to be up until, I believe, season 23. I think that was his last season. It was this guy, Elon Gale. And he was kind of instrumental in bringing about the Paradise era uh, from everything I've read, he kind of created paradise, but he was the person pulling the strings and deciding like how we're going to shape this season around what events from really season 18 to 23, which is like, that's a real nice time in our beloved game in terms of like play and evolution of the game and stuff. And now it seems like in his absence, there's been kind of a power vacuum. I don't know who's actually running the show, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, they're not doing a job as good as Elon Gale did for sure. <laughs> There's like so many problematic things and the ratings are just like in the toilet every season now. It still can win From Monday when? Nights. When did it break? When did the ratings, like I saw Real Housewives of Orange County is up to like 800,000 downloads up down from like what they had 5 million at the height. Like what, yeah. when did it sort of break? Uh, in these bubble seasons. Colton, that was the peak. No, Pilot Pete still had very good ratings as well. What was the downloads on his season? I don't know were, what the downloads were. Were they at a million? Or they just, yeah, they were but just high, much better. We're, than we're talking about Nielsen ratings, which yes, in America yes. is how, uh, you know, networks determine their ad revenue, basically. And so no, that's no, still the, the, the thing that matters most to them. Yeah. Um, but we don't know how many people are watching it on Hulu or YouTube or anything else, right. you know. So I right. think the true number of viewers is like a mystery. We know mm -hmm. what the network viewers are, and it's some number above that. And yeah. right now, episodes are getting about 3 million views, like the Clayton Eckerd season. 3 million. That's still yeah. really high. That's still good numbers. Um, okay, so there's a lot of different opinions on this. When did the show break from it being a, you know, a show you went on for love to a social media hustle? What do you think? What was the year? Was that 2014? Was it before that? It's right we around We usually there, do the cutoff at Juan Pablo season because that was the first players who were really became famous in the Instagram era. You have Andy Dorfman. We believe she might have been the first player to hit one million. She did some of the first Spawn Con, which apparently she got flack for, which was like some oh, sort yeah. of hair tool device. Charlene Joint told us that. And so the Paradise era and Instagram era kind of coincided. With the two. Got it. Got it. All right. Last question here. Next five to 10 years, where does The Bachelor go from here? What's next? What needs to change if, if something to make it more of a thing again? I think it goes to streaming. Network TV is basically dying. And, you you know, like I said, The Bachelor's still winning Monday nights with pretty regular consistency. Every once in a while, it'll get beat by a, a CBS show or a Fox show or whatever. But it's still winning those nights. But the numbers are just getting 
lower and lower and lower every season. And I think eventually the network cuts it and it won't be on ABC here. It will move to Warner Brothers as the company that actually owns the show. So it will go to HBO Max. And then I'm curious to see what happens with it because I think they'll have a lot more leeway to do things that are a little more contemporary like uh, Love Island mm-hmm. or Too Hot to Handle or Love is Blind. Any of those shows that are like, oh, this feels like it was made in this year. The Bachelor still <laughs> feels like it was made in 2002, even a contemporary right. season. The outfits, the looks, like yeah. the whole thing. I totally, I could not agree more. It'll be interesting to see how this works out with the Hulu with the Kardashians because mm-hmm. that's sort of what you're talking about, right? Like getting yeah. off a network, heading over there. What about you, Lizzie? What's your take five to ten years out? I mean, I agree that I think it'll go streaming and maybe we'll be watching it on Disney Plus or wherever it ends up going. But I think The Bachelor will outlive us all. I oh, think the format <laughs> that's is amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah. That guy must that's be a, a billionaire format. off of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Last one. I got a lot of questions on the rings. What happens to the rings if you say no? What's the what, what goes on there? It depends on how long you stayed together. If you meet whatever the minimum threshold of time is in your contract, you get to keep the ring and you can sell it or do whatever you want with it. If you don't, if you break up before whatever that time in your contract is, you have to give it back to the show. Got it. And the show buys them for everybody. So people are probably yeah. just like, let's let's stick it out. All right, I don't thank think you the guys show so much. I think they have a deal with Neil Lane. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah. totally, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Everybody run out and buy How to Win the Bachelor. It's gonna be available January twenty first? Twenty fifth. Tw- January twenty fifth. Everywhere you get your books. Is the audio version dropped that day as well? Yep. Mm-hmm. Everything's Perfect. available. And you can pre order all of it now, whenever you pre-order want. Pre order now so they can get on the New York Times bestseller list. That's right. Yes. We're trying. Yes. Yeah. Get on it. Get on it. Well, Thanks thank you so guys much, so much Jessica. for your time. And uh, yeah, we're dropping it tomorrow. So we look forward to uh, working on this episode now. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. And as always, please rate, review, and subscribe. You can now rate on Spotify, which is very exciting. It's the first time they've sort of had that feature added onto the platform. And their rating is so easy. You just have to hit five stars and you're done. But I really appreciate it. Those reviews go a really long way in the podcasting game. Thanks so much, guys. Look forward to seeing you next week. Bye for now.